today is a great day to be uh, here celebrating together, especially those of you that are with us uh, online. It's great to have you with us, and I'm glad to see all of you. I get the privilege of wrapping up this fourth part of our Some Assembly Required series that uh, Pastor Corey started uh, a few weeks ago. Dr. Amy Trout joined him last weekend, and we've been teaching about the fact that great relationships don't just happen. They take intentionality. We must be purposeful. We must keep an end in mind, and we must get things done in the right order, just kind of like opening that box with a lamp that Pastor Corey did on the first weekend. It didn't all just come together uh, functioning uh, properly unless it was carefully and intentionally assembled in the right order using the tools that God has given us for healthy relationships. Now, at this stage of my life journey, where I'm in the upper part of my uh, 60s, I, I'm still included in this. I am still working on getting my relationships right. I don't know if that's an encouragement to those of you that are younger, that you thought it would be done by now, but I'm still being intentional and purposeful in my relationships but I am grateful that I learned a long time ago that a successful end starts at the beginning. You know, every chef knows that. A great meal didn't just happen. Uh, there are hours of work that starts before that first course of the meal is ever served. There's all the prep time. There's the, you know, the slow simmering of soup and the baking of bread and the marinating of the meat and the careful preparation of the you know, complexities of a delicious dessert and all of those things, but a successful end, whether uh, it's in relationship or it's a meal or anything else, starts with an intentional beginning, making sure that we are leaving the kind of legacy in our relationships that we really want to be remembered for. And as one who is in the later third of my life, uh, I know uh, uh, maybe older than many of you that are listening to me, life really goes fast, doesn't it? It goes really fast. I can't really believe that we, you know, our kids are in their mid-40s and, and uh, upper 30s. I have a granddaughter that's driving. I mean, that just seems uh, crazy. It wasn't that long ago. I was in my early 30s and just launching this church. And, uh, uh, but I've learned that in that journey, it's reaffirmed the fact that a successful end starts at the beginning. And we're all gonna leave a legacy. We're all gonna leave a legacy for the next generations, but we get to choose what kind of legacy we're gonna leave. Some of you know my wife just retired this year uh, from 33 years of being a labor and delivery nurse at Cape Coral Hospital. And one, yeah, give her a hand, that's good. And one thing she told thousands of parents over those 33 years as she sent them home with their babies was, she reminded them regularly, the future is in your hands. The future is in your hands. Now that's true of parenting, but that's true in all of our relationships as well. And so the focus of this uh, message uh, today as I wrap up this series is that the future is in your hand because your attitudes, your actions today will put into motion the quality 
of your relationships in your future and for the generations to come. We always have to imagine with the end in mind because the future is in our hands. That's what legacy is really all about. However, we've been reminded throughout this series, some assembly is required. You have to make a plan to, to see it happen. And so if you're a parent here of a younger child, uh, uh, younger children maybe, think of it this way. In light of your future uh, dreams for that child, uh, your hopes for that child, maybe your fears uh, for your children, think about them as a young adult. Think about them at the time they would leave your home as a young adult, 18, 19, 20, whatever. Think about them at that age. What do you want them to know? What do you want them to be? Not just to do, but to be. What would their heart be like? What would their passions be like? What would their needs and desires and, and uh, attitudes be like? And if you can answer that question as a young parent with young children, you have set really some goals for yourself as a parent because you're keeping focused on the goal with the end in mind. Corey spoke about that a couple of weekends ago, I think it was Father's Day weekend, on the fact that parenting is one of the greatest opportunities for changing the future of our world. And I know for, for Linda and I, when we started uh, Cape Christian, it was founded on the belief of two basic things. One is uh, that the church and Jesus-following parents are really the hope of the world. They're the hope of the future for our culture and for our community when you get those two things well done together. Now, if you've been here with this series, you know that we started with this verse in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 5. This has been the core of everything we based it on. It simply says in verse 5 of Philippians 2, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, it would be helpful to actually read the rest of the scriptures of what is the mindset that, that was being spoken of. Well, if you look in Philippians chapter 2, I won't take the time to go through that with you, but if you look in Philippians chapter 2, you will see that Jesus came with a servant heart. Jesus came willing to sacrifice his rights and his privileges. He came to show his interest in us and our well-being. He came to give us his grace and not to shame us for our mess-ups and screw-ups. He came with humility instead of arrogance. And in our relationships, we are to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So when Pastor Corey asked me to summarize this series, he wanted to make sure that we remember that we have put, been put on this earth to make an impact. We've been called to leave a legacy, every one of us. We've been called to shape the future. And as Pastor Corey opened this series, if you recall, he said that you're, if you're a mom here, you're in a relationship. If you're a dad, you're in a relationship. If you're employed somewhere or you are an employer, you are in a relationships. Whether you're young, whether you're middle-aged, whether you're of a more mature age, 
whether in family units, whether in work environments, whether in our neighborhoods or our community, we shape the future. We shape the future. It takes intentionality. It takes purposeful living to do that. This morning, I got a haircut, and uh, the stylist that, uh, that always does my hair, uh, I asked him, I said, are you gonna, are you gonna take any vacation this summer? And uh, he said, hopefully. And I said, well, let me know how that works out for you. Because I always have to be intentional about taking vacations. I have to be intentional with putting it on my calendar, of making the plans and everything else. I've never hopefully taken a vacation. It's always been an intentional thing. And it's just like the relationships that we have, some assembly will be required. There'll be some things that we will need to be very purposeful about if that's gonna happen because the future is in our hands. So I wanna read, we spend the remaining minutes uh, today, I wanna focus on five things that I think are really, really critical in shaping the future of uh, our generation and the next generations after us. Now, I would bet uh, you're not gonna really focus in on all five things, just maybe one thing, maybe just one, maybe two at the most, where you will be intentional today, maybe even write it down, maybe take a picture of it on the screen or whatever, just one that you wanna work on. One thing you wanna work on in the next week, the next month, maybe the next year, in terms of your own relationships, if you're gonna leave the kind of legacy that you wanna leave in your life. Here they are, here's the first one. The first one is that we simply shape the future when we influence others to love God and to love people. I think this is the most important truth that we could ever live out. Love God, love people. That's not just a slogan around here. That's from the very early Hebrew scriptures all the way through the Bible to the words of Jesus. Everything is centered around those two things, loving God and loving people. Whether you know it or not, it started in Deuteronomy chapter six, the very first time uh, in, uh, in uh, verse five and following where the scripture says, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and impress them on your children. In other words, it's to be passed on. It's to be passed on to others. It's to be passed on to the next generation after us, whether we have kids, we don't have kids, whether we're parents, grandparents, whatever. Some of us may be aunts and uncles that we have people to pass it on to the next generation. And in fact, the next verses, verses, and I won't read those eight and nine, are really suggestions of specific ways of how to pass it on. But it was in that very same truth that Jesus was taught by his parents. Jesus was raised in a religious environment, in, uh, in an environment where this scripture was quoted on a regular basis. His own faith history, he heard Deuteronomy chapter six multiple times. It was a regular saying throughout the Jewish practice of that time. And so when he was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment in all of, uh, of all of the prophets and all the laws and all the, Bi the Bible, what's the greatest commandment? Remember what he said? He went right back to Deuteronomy chapter six, right to that verse. And Matthew records it this way in chapter 22, that Jesus replied to the question by saying, 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets uh, hang on these two commandments. Around here, we just simply uh, say, love God, love people. That's the most important thing that we can actually teach and model for the next generations below us. It's the most important thing we can model for our children. It's the most important things we can model in our workplaces or wherever it might be for the people who work for us, the people who work with us, whatever. And let me give you a secret. It's caught more than it's taught. It's caught more than it's taught. Oh yes, we need to be able to articulate what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. We need to be able to articulate what it means to love God, what it means to love people, yes, but they will always watch what you do more than they will listen to what you say. They will see if you lean into God's peace or you allow fear and worry to always fill your heart and fill your life. They will watch those people whom you have influence over, those people who are watching your life, they'll watch how you treat people when you're under stress. They'll watch, do you bless people and show generosity, or do you always see what you can get for yourself and take it for yourself? It's caught more than it's taught. So remember, the future is in your hands. Love God, love people. It's one of the things we try to communicate. Second thing is this. We shape the future when we reinforce the truth that all are God's treasured and unique creation. Now that's so powerful, yet it's so subtle. But for everyone to know that God loves them unconditionally, for everyone to know that they are loved and forgiven and that they have value and purpose in life, that's the greatest thing in the world. You see, we can't give to our kids, we can't give to our spouse, we can't give to others, those people we influence on our lives, what we have not yet experienced. And if you haven't ever experienced that you're loved, that you're special, that you're created and gifted for something, well, I would just suggest you start somewhere. Start by reading Psalm 139, for example. That's a whole lengthy description of how God created each one of us for a purpose. Or read this passage in, in Jeremiah, how Jeremiah the prophet starts out by writing in the opening uh, verses of, of uh, Jeremiah. He says, the word of the Lord came to me, verse 4. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born, and I set you apart, and I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. You see, like Jeremiah, we're, we're not accidents, regardless of the circumstances of our birth. Dr. Amy Trout said it really, really well last weekend. She said, we must, we must discover our identity and our purpose through understanding God's purpose and a relationship with Jesus Christ if we're going to be equipped to pass it on to the next generations. We have to understand that. Ephesians puts it this way, the message paraphrase says it very well. It says it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It's in him. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. 
Isn't that beautiful? He had his eye on us and had designs for us of living a glorious, uh, uh, for glorious living, part of the overall purpose that he is working out in everything and everyone. You see, that's a truth that we need to be able to communicate to the next generations. The future is in your hand, helping the next generations discover that they're gifted, they're talented, they're treasured, they're designed for a purpose, and that'll change their world. And I really believe if we do that well, it'll change our entire world. And here's the third thing of the five. It's critical in shaping the future of the generations after us. We shape the future when we use our experiences in teaching life lessons. One of the most powerful things we can do is just tell our own story. Tell our own story. It teaches life lessons. Even the negative parts of our story have great value in inspiring the next generation not to repeat some of the mistakes we've made. Our own faith journey. Our own faith questions can become helpful for others who are exploring their journey along the way. As they sort through their own beliefs, as they sort through what it means to be uh, in relationship with the creator of the universe. Don't be afraid to share your story. Use your relationship experiences to pass on to the next generations. What to do, what not to do in some cases. Your example is really important. Paul taught this to uh, the Christians in, in Philippi when he said this in chapter 4, verse 4, uh, verse 9 of Philippians. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Corey used the passage in, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, when Paul was telling a younger leader that he was mentoring and being a, a father-like figure to, he said, I've been reminded, this is in 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, he said, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. There you see the generation to generation. There you see the leaving of a legacy, the importance of leaving a legacy, and how the future can be in our hands. There's the fourth one. We shape the future when we leverage our time and our resources to create powerful memories. Did you know that love is spelled T-I-M-E? Yeah. There's hundreds of examples that I could give, but simply to say, don't be afraid to invest, 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 invest your time, your time in making memories in the lives of those around you that you have influence over. Whether you're a, a, a boss, a, a teacher, uh, an uncle, an aunt, uh, a parent, grandparent, whatever it might be, uh, uh, an older mentor, uh, just, Invest, invest, take the time to invest in the next generation. You've probably already realized this. All that stuff that we think is important in our culture, it'll be sold at a garage sale or to be dumped in a landfill. Five years from now or 25 years from now. But when you invest time in making memories, they last forever. I know a few years ago, we started making some, 
some changes in our family at our Christmas gathering. And, and we made a conscious decision, a conversation about experiencing, uh, uh, of the ma- uh, creating experiences to make memories. I think it came, if I recall, out of watching our grandkids uh, go through gift after gift after gift, and, and uh, the little ones, you know, uh, unwrapping it and setting it aside and getting to the next one and unwrapping it and setting it aside and getting to the next one and unwrapping it and setting it aside. And we determined out of watching that, that you know what? After all those gifts are given, probably in a month or two, at least in a year, they would forget who gave them that Lego set or who gave them that fairy tale character or that toy or that electronic gadget. They wouldn't even remember. So next year, we, we did some planning and we planned an experience and said to our adult kids, instead of a buying gifts for each of the adult children and their spouses and so on, we're going to plan an experience and pay for it with that money instead of gifts. We're gonna get one small modest gift for each of the grandchildren, but we're gonna create an experience to have together. So the first thing that we did the first year was we went to St. Augustine and we, uh, one of the things we did that, uh, that uh, time in St. Augustine, we hired these two horse-drawn carriages. We toured, which is the oldest uh, town in America. We had the guide. We had the sound of the clippity-clop on the pavement under the eloquently uh, lighted historic district. If you've never seen St. Augustine over the Christmas time, it's amazing. And, uh, you know, the nighttime skies, and you know, to this day, Years later, they remember the names of both horses and the drivers. They can still tell you some of the stories. We created a memorable experience. And over the years, we've you know, done airboat rides in the Everglades or paid plane fare uh, or toured their fa- plane fares for all of us to go to a summer trip to the West Coast where my family lives or boat rides out to lunch at Cabbage Key. or You're creating memorable experiences instead of just a bunch of gifts that nobody's going to remember. Now, out of that same intentionality, we decided, and this probably did 10 years ago or so, that when each grandchild turned seven, we started another memory-making tradition. They would get a week-long one-on-one time with Grandpa and Grandma, which included a plane ride to Oregon, sometimes their first plane ride, to go visit all of my side of the family. So the cousins they never get to see, um, you know, their great-grandparents, their great-uncles and aunts and all of those. And these Florida-born grandkids would get to go sledding in the mountains. They would get to climb sand dunes on the Oregon coast. They would hike to waterfalls in uh, in the mountains and uh, and more. Uh, And the whole time, the grand paparazzi, as they call me, (laughs) takes lots of pictures. And out of that, they each get their own special personalized book printed with all the memories of the experience. And they get a copy for themselves 
and we get an extra copy to keep at our house so when they come to visit our house, they can always see this special book that they are the star character in the story of that book. Now, we've done four of them so far. Uh, we have one more to go. She just turned four two weeks ago, and she can't wait till she turns seven. Because the future is in your hands. You can create memorable experience, pass on your life experience, talk about the important things, make the most of it, use your time, use your resources to leave a legacy. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's children, grandchildren, coworkers, employees, neighbors, your small group, whatever, whomever. Create legacy, focus on milestones of life, whatever. There's so much that can be done. I just gave you a couple examples of what, we, what we've done. There's, there, I've only scratched the surface. Ask God for creative ideas. In your sphere of influence, within your realm, what are the things that you could do to invest time in creating memories for the people around you? Now, as we've been saying this whole series, some assembly is required, but we all will leave a legacy. What's yours going to be? See, the future is in your hands. Here's the fifth one that I want to talk about. We shape the future when we model healthy relationships. Now, let me just say, the goal of healthy relationships is if we do the first four really well, this one kind of takes care of itself almost, and we have to be conscious of it, but if you reinforce the extent of God's love for someone day in and day out and teach them what it means and show them what it means and model for them what it means to love God and love people, if they experience the affirming fact of their unique personalities and they were created for a purpose, there's a whole lot greater possibility that they're going to respond to that love by returning it to you, returning it to God, returning it to others. And if you connect them with meaningful relationships and they hear your stories and they, you invest your time in that connection and relationship and make powerful memories with them, you're likely going to do a much better job at modeling healthy relationships for them because the future is in your hand. That's what we've been called to do. That's the great commission that we've been given by Jesus himself as Jesus followers, that we are in a God-given role to influence others in our culture, to point them toward Jesus. The question always we need to be intentional about is, what are we modeling? How do we communicate with our spouse or our family members or our coworkers? What are we modeling in the environments at work? Are in our community? What are we modeling on social media? How do we demonstrate love for God and love for people? How do we do that? For example, how do we deal with conflict? That'd just be one example. By the way, conflict's inevitable, but it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. We can, we can have conflict and still be nice. Did you know we can disagree without being disagreeable? Have you ever thought of that? We can. Are we using healthy communication style in the atmosphere of our home, our work, our, or is it always tense? And, and uh, is, there, is there freedom to give opinions without harsh criticism? Do we as adults speak to the younger uh, generations in a tone of voice that honors and respects them? Our homes and our places need to be the place where we demonstrate honor and respect. That is, that is a that needs to be modeled, and that's an integral part of, of healthy relationships. 
But let me just say to you adults, adults cannot uh, uh, demand respect. Respect cannot be demanded from the younger generation. It has to be earned by you as an adult, as a parent or a grandparent, a boss, a leader, or whatever. It's you modeling it so it gets returned. It can never be demanded and expected to be real and authentic at all. It has to be modeled. Remember, what you do is more important than what you say when it comes to that. Healthy relationships have to be modeled. They are cultivated. They're cultivated in an atmosphere of love. They're coming from the inside out of the heart. They're, they're like is described in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, Dr. Amy Trout talked about it a little bit last week. And uh, I just love the way the message puts it. It just describes what love is like. Love never gives up. It, it cares more for others than, than for yourself. It doesn't want uh, what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. This is from the, the message paraphrase. It doesn't revel when others grovel. Love takes pleasure in flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. It always looks for the best. It never looks back, but it keeps going to the end. Those are the kind of relationships, that's a description of healthy relationships right there. And as Dr. Amy said last week, the opposite is unhealthy. We measure our relationships by that standard. You say, well, wow, who can do that? Well, none of us by ourselves. That's why we need Jesus in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our church, in our work, our schools. When we post on social media, we need Jesus. Jesus is the one that can change our hearts so that we can model those kind of healthy relationships to the generations after us. And so don't forget, the future is in your hands. And I would just say so many of you have been doing this relationship thing really, really well. There's some incredible parents in this church. There's some amazing grandparents. There's some amazing leaders and bosses in role models in this church. I've, I've seen you in action. But I realize you might be here and you're thinking, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of those. Just remember this. You can't go back and change the beginning. But you can make a decision today that could change the ending. God is in the restoration business. That's what he does best. When we say yes to seeking after and following after the heart of God, God excels at turning blemishes into beauty. God loves to save homes and people that look hopeless. He loves to do renovate the imperfect and help them and reveal to them what their lives were intended to be and could be. But as we've said over these last four weeks, some assembly is required. But God hasn't provided every tool. He's provided the supplies. He's provided the detailed instructions of how to create amazing 
incredible, beautiful masterpieces. And that's what he wants to do. Can I pray for you? Father, I pray that today we would have a better grasp of the fact that you want to leave a legacy through all of us and you want our relations to be one of those uh, relationships, to be one of those special kinds of legacy that we leave for the people around us, the people behind us, the people after us, the people we have influence on, the people who uh, may be a part of family, the people who maybe we only have worked with them for a season, or maybe we just met them one or two times. You want to create something beautiful and to leave the kind of legacy that will point others to love you and to love others. And so, Father, help us. By your grace, give us your Holy Spirit to do and to be the kind of people that you've called us to be. We give you thanks for what you're going to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.